Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first-time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Hi guys, we're back. It is episode six of CrossFit versus pregnancy. I hope everyone is doing well. I am now 17 and a half, I guess, weeks pregnant, (laughs) nearly 18 weeks pregnant. And I've got to say life's pretty sweet. Things have taken a turn. Uh, The first trimester truly was the everything that people say it is. And then hitting about 14 weeks. So it's been four weeks since I've been on the pod for four to five weeks since I've been with Charlotte for sure and since then things have improved hugely so I guess I mean let's get you straight in Charlotte Charlotte's back hi how are you hi I'm good thank you how are you yeah I'm really good of course Charlotte is our in-house ex NHMS midwife I think that's really important and I love that about Charlotte I've got to say you know (laughs) of course it would be um great if she was a midwife but the thing that I love the fact that Charlotte is an ex-midwife is that she can be completely open and honest about her own opinions about what she practiced and learnt as her time as an NHS midwife um the good and the bad so that's always welcome um so yeah like I say I'm 17 weeks in the last couple of weeks I have had two events in my pregnancy that one which is a planned part of pregnancy and the other one which was a bit of a shock so we'll come on to that in a minute the first one was last week and I had my 16 week appointment with the community midwife and this was the new midwife if you've listened to the previous episodes you will know that my first encounter with a midwife wasn't my favorite (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way of putting it (laughs) I'm trying to be nice no it 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 was kind of what I expected in from from the perspective of someone that trains like an athlete and the reaction that I got wasn't particularly well met however as I explained this particular midwife was changing her location so it meant that I was meeting a new midwife last week at my 16 week appointment so I'll come to that in a minute Charlotte that 16 week appointment with the midwife what what's the kind of purpose of that um so it's a bit of a catch-up really it's to see how you're getting on you'll have had your um your dating scan which is around sort of 10 weeks ish which is after your booking appointment so it's a nice time to see the midwife have a little catch-up check that you're all okay check your blood pressure, check your urine and also most of the time you can have a listen to baby's heartbeat as well which is lovely although that being said it is sometimes quite difficult because of where the baby is sat at 16 weeks it can be Mm. very low down in the pelvis which can make it very difficult to try and find the baby. That is kind of what I experienced um, 
I didn't it can know the be baby really was so low down. Worrying. Yeah, no, no. As in, it can be when you're the mum and you you see the midwife sort of trying to search around, and you're like, oh, is my baby actually in there? Is my baby okay? But it does it does just take a bit of time sometimes to find the baby. Um, but usually, usually you can. Why is the baby sat so far down in the pelvis? Because um, from from someone who last time we spoke on the pod, I really wanted to have a bump. Now, six well, last week when I was sixteen weeks. I wouldn't say that it's like it's not it's not huge, but I certainly it's 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 fairly obvious now. It's that visible. That. Yes, absolutely. So, and considering you know my bump isn't between my pelvis, it's kind of sitting round nearer to my belly button. Why is the baby sat so far down at this point? So it's the size of the uterus. If so, the uterus has sort of just started. The uterus comes out of the pelvis, like literally pokes out the top of the pelvis at around 12 ish weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tends to grow a bit bigger if you're carrying multiples like twins, mm-hmm. but it's where it has only just started to come out the pelvis. Although you have a bit more of a bump at the top, that isn't fully uterus. You would have noticed when your midwife was listening to baby she would have felt down from your belly button mm-hmm. to work out where the top of your uterus is. Mm. And it's not, even if you sort of lay back yourself, you'll be able to feel it if you sort of put a little bit I'm of trying. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to be laid back a little bit. Okay, um, okay. And you, you sort of feel a bit of resistance, which is where the top of the uterus is. So sometimes babies stay very low. They stay really low down in the pelvis. And then as they grow, they grow sort of up and out of the pelvis if it's your second or subsequent pregnancies the baby comes up sometimes comes a bit higher a bit quicker because mm. the uterus tends to grow a bit bigger um and you tend to show a lot more when you're pregnant second time round. that is very to your first time round. yeah that's really interesting and and has that got i mean this is i'm not really at this point yet personally but is that why they say in second or subsequent pe- pregnancies that you can feel the baby sooner because perhaps the walls of the uterus are a bit looser, maybe? Yep, that and also because you felt it before, um, you can actually get um, phantom phantom feelings of movement oh. after you've had the baby. People say that it they've had a baby and then like three, four months' time, they feel this kick or they what? feel a flutter and they're like, oh my God, not like, no. <laughs> I, I can't be pregnant again this soon. And it's not, it's just where you become sort of hyper aware of the feelings within your uterus yeah, yeah. and any sort of small movements, you sometimes find after pregnancy that you get more ovulation pain or you're more aware of when you're ovulating because you just have a lot more feeling um, and sensation in your uterus when you've been pregnant already yeah that totally relates to anything related to training for me you know getting that (laughs) mind to muscle connection yeah we've never had to have that connection before to that part of the body so that makes complete sense that our brain particularly with your pelvic floor as well you become much more aware of your pelvic floor now compared to previously interesting very interesting learning already and we're only a couple of minutes in this is great so yes well, talking about that appointment, I met my new midwife. She was lovely. I would like to reassure everyone. <laughs> Not that I had to have any kind of conversation about my training or anything, but no, it was a really pleasant experience. It was quite a short 
appointment well compared to the first um booking in appointment it was definitely short um we got to hear the baby's heartbeat and i thought i would play it for you now because it kind of blew my mind on a number of reasons one there is a baby inside me and to hear its heartbeat was it was for the first time was pretty mind-blowing but secondly it surprised me I don't know why it surprised me, but it surprised me at how fast it was beating. Naturally, of course, it's going to be fast because it's small. Um, Everyone says that. Everyone says they're so surprised at how fast the heart rate goes. Right. Let me play you my recording because naturally I did it partially for me, but mostly for the pod. (laughs) So I hope you guys can hear that okay. But it took a while to find it, and it comes and goes. But anyway, I'll leave that there. Um, It was, yeah, an amazing experience to be able to hear it. But one, I was really surprised at how low down it was. Two, I was really surprised at how hard it was to find, just like Charlotte, just you just explained about, you know, finding it difficult. And that was like a bit of a, why can't she find it? I'm sure there's a baby in there. But then when we found it, it was fine. And on the Doppler machine, which is what they use to 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 make that um, to, to to listen to the heartbeat, it has a reading of the beats per minute that the that that it's listening to, and it it went up to one hundred and fifty beats per minute. Which I guess I guess just from the point of view of being somebody who trains, that that was like that's crazy. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's so fast. But then I, I, on reflection, you know, when you have, I suppose if you were to take something like, I don't know, a mouse, which my baby is probably a little bigger than a mouse right now, but they, their heart is going to beat much faster because it's smaller, right? It, and I'm assuming that's the main reason why it does beat faster. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Where it's smaller and everything's developing, you'll find that as the baby gets a bit bigger later in pregnancy the heart rate tends to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. so at this sort of stage it's around 150 160 beats a minute and then by the end of pregnancy it can sit between sort of 140 130 beats a minute mm-hmm. and it does slow down and also you find that if you if you ever get monitored uh, whilst being pregnant you'll see that when the baby moves the heart rate speeds up as it as it would do in uh, yeah adult um yeah, and then when the baby's resting or sleeping the heart rate slows down um it's very very interesting seeing um heart rate readings for babies when you're pregnant it's very yeah. interesting <laughs> i would that i mean this is another subject for maybe later on but i would be so interested to see where my baby's heartbeat was when i was training hmm. yes that would be interesting actually like you say, I don't know how it would be done, but that would no, be very interesting. <laughs> it would be incredibly interesting. Like you say, not sure how it could be done. Um, internal probe, maybe, but no, I'm not. I'm not up for that. If anyone is thinking <laughs> that's a good idea, but yeah, I assume because I've always assumed because at the moment I can't feel the baby. I'm 17 weeks, but I was reassured at the appointment that I had this week, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. That well, last week at my midwife appointment. They thought my placenta might be at the front because it was so difficult to get that reading. So if the placenta is at the front, the likelihood of you feeling the baby later is much likely, much more likely, because it's almost like an extra barrier between your baby and the skin, I guess, the outside world. 
But what I was informed of this week is my placenta is right at the back. So um, I will be hopefully feeding baby imminently in the next couple of weeks. It's not something that I've heard yet or felt yet, not heard. And it, yeah, that's, that's exciting. I'm very excited about that. But I think the, it would be, it has always crossed my mind when I'm training, is my baby awake? Is it asleep? Is it reacting to my training? Is it, you know, is it, does it mean that its heartbeat speeds up? It's something that has always crossed my mind and thinking about like, you know, especially for example, if I was doing a move like a double under where I'm jumping <laughs> excessively, is that annoying to the baby? <laughs> Am I am I annoying you? Like you're, uh, you know. you're going to be having to do some serious rocking after this baby is born <laughs> to uh, relax and get this baby to sleep. I mean, if I can train with a baby in arms, I'm sure that will work. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's fine. So moving on to the appointment that I had this week, I had an extra scan, and this isn't something that all women will have. And actually, Charlotte was a huge reassurance for me a few weeks back when I got the letter. Now. I'm not saying that everyone will have this experience. I don't expect them to. Uh, this was this scan was not explained to me. I had no idea why I was having it. I just got a letter in the post, which completely freaked me out. The letter read that they had booked me a appointment for a US cervical screening TV. Now, cervical length screening TV or cervical length TV or something along those lines. So I naturally googled it because I had no idea what it was for and the description on a variety of sites said that it was a scan that women would have who have high-risk pregnancies that they would be measuring the length of my cervix because they are concerned of a premature birth so again there wasn't really much explanation as to why so naturally, I freaked out and thought, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my baby? What tests have I had that could give this um, or need, require this extra scan? So I got, I'm so lucky, got in touch with Charlotte and she asked me a couple of questions, one of which was, have you ever had any biopsies or treatment or um, anything done on within your cervix when you've had a smear test etc and the answer is actually yes there have been two occasions in my smear test life where I've had abnormal cells and had to have treatment on those on two occasions now neither have been cancerous but sometimes the the biopsies can be quite uh, quite intense invasive and invasive definitely the right word not intense they've been invasive and so on both occasions I had to have biopsies in sort of a, in a theatre type situation and basically was reassured that it was just a precaution to make sure that my cervix was of good length so I guess this is the best time to ask you <laughs> in a bit more detail Charlotte what what why that why this is done and why it's needed to be done so it's like you said it's to measure the length of your cervix if you have a shorter cervix some women naturally have a shorter cervix than others and you wouldn't you wouldn't know that until realistically until labor when you are having um examinations done to see how far along in labor you are but if 
it is something that um, the healthcare professionals are aware of, they will check the length of your cervix during pregnancy because if the cervix itself is getting shorter, that can be an indication of labour. That is when the cervix gets shorter when you go into labour. So we like to check, particularly early on, that the cervix is of good length and if there are any concerns with it, there are sort of measures that uh, can be done to prevent things like premature labour um, it's sort of it's also particularly for women that have had recurrent miscarriages they'll look into the length of your cervix to make sure that it's not the cervix that's causing a miscarriage and also if someone's had a previous premature birth or a couple of previous premature births again they will look into the length of the cervix and just check that that's not the cause and if it is the length of the cervix that's the cause then they can go in and do something called a cervical stitch which essentially holds the cervix together and stops it from opening and shortening as you would like it to in normal labour but obviously you don't want that happening at say 20 weeks right yeah so cool right (laughs) sorry that's a lot (laughs) no 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 but you know at the time when when you get a less completely unaware of any risk any potential that I might have it it was a conversation that was brought up in my in my booking appointment with my midwife at eight weeks i.e I've had these procedures done previously okay great to know thank you for sharing that was it there wasn't any this may be something that comes about be prepared again it just highlights the nature of my first appointment but again we can put that to one side I was so grateful to have Charlotte at hand to be able to ask that question and anyway then for those of you that are listening every week which I totally appreciate by the way we love you guys last week I featured my wonderful friend and coach Melissa Haywood, who took us through the journey of her high-risk pregnancy because she had previously had ovarian cancer, or cervical cancer, apologies, cervical cancer. And we spoke about the need for her to have this cervical, this, this stitch, and what that meant was she wasn't allowed to train. Now, last week when we spoke about this, I don't remember, excuse my baby brain, yes, I'm blaming the brain, I don't remember actually opening up about this to Mel because it was about Mel last week, right? And actually the conversation (laughs) that we had about what the procedure that she had done, the stitch, and what that subsequently meant that she couldn't train, it really freaked me out, I'm not going to lie. So then I spent the best part of two weeks catastrophizing that I was no longer going to be able to train once... Yeah, once once I'd had the um the scan, they were going to tell me that my cervix was too short because of the biopsies that I'd had previously. What was I? How was I going to cope? I didn't think that psychologically it would be something that I would be able to cope with very well. Yes, I am in a much better place than where I have been in previous years of my life with life with my mental health, but training is and will always be such a huge part of my life for that reason for my mental health so I spent two weeks worrying that that I wasn't going to be able to train for the rest of my pregnancy and and what was I going to be able to do so I basically lined up about four courses (laughs) 
<laughs> so I could fill up my time with that instead of worrying about the time that I'm losing from training or the time that I'll gain, sorry. Anyway, fast forward to Tuesday. Unfortunately, I think something that just fueled the fire essentially for my um, anxiety about the appointment was Ollie works away and he was away this week. So I went at it alone. I was really nervous, not for the procedure. So the procedure itself meant that first of all, I got to see baby, which I'm so glad they did it this way around because it meant that I felt so much calmer. In five five weeks, the baby has grown so much. It was so wonderful to see so many features of the baby. It's it's honestly crazy how different it is. So And how much bigger and more, like you said, so much more intricate the details that you can see on the baby that have grown. Well, you'll remember that after I had my first dating scan, I thought the baby looked like a potato. And (laughs) so to see a nose, lips... The spine was just mind-blowing. You could see every single bone in the spine. And, well, not bone yet, but you know what I mean. You could see every single element. And, uh, yeah, it was just wonderful. So that calmed me down because that we could see the heart beating and, oh, it was amazing. Then I had to have an internal scan, which was essentially a probe. I'm going to I'm gonna say it, it kind of looked like a dildo that she was putting inside. It really does. And they put essentially a condom on it as well. Yeah, yeah. so it looked like she was about to pleasure me, but it was not pleasurable <laughs> in any way, ladies. I'm telling you now. Um, it was better than a smear, though. I'm going to tell you that much. Yeah. This, it was so much better. So essentially, this probe went inside me again really nice moment the first thing at she least said, you had a little bit of pre-warning oh yeah because I'd yeah. warned you that, that yeah. it might be an internal scan absolutely and the first thing she said before she put the probe in was we might be able to see the baby's feet and there they were it was the most bizarre oh my thing God. we could see the bottom of the baby's feet and almost like the toes wiggling that's cra- <laughs> I didn't know you could see that that's crazy yeah absolutely Love that. So, again made the whole process even nicer to be able to see the feet from a different angle it was lovely <laughs> and not a lot was said she was a lovely lady the sonographer again great experience in the hospital but she was like great you can take a seat back in the waiting room you'll see the doctor and he'll talk about um, the next steps so again I was kind of left in this weird um <laughs> weird double mindset of oh I just got to see my baby it's healthy she's happy it's lovely it's grown and I still don't know what's happening so then um I won't go into too much detail I saw a midwife um the hospital midwife who was absolutely glorious she was just Lisa not that you're ever going to listen to this but I loved you you were amazing she was so reassuring and she gave me the news that my cervix was long and lovely which I thought was just such a strange way of describing my cervix but it was (laughs) was great news and she informed me that the the minimum that a cervix can be to be deemed strong enough to support a baby would be 2.5 centimeters and mine was 3.7 which isn't lovely yeah it is. I mean, in in actual measurement terms, it's not a huge difference, but I guess in cervix terms, that is pretty good. So yeah, I was I was really relieved to hear that. I was then advised that although things were fine, they still wanted to um, 
keep an eye on things to make sure that the cervix stays strong enough to support the baby and that I would be having another internal at my 20 week scan which is only three weeks away. So that was really reassuring actually especially now that I'd experienced it and it was no problem and it was really quick and the results were good. I didn't have to go away thinking this might take a turn actually I feel quite confident that the next weeks to come will be fine and of course it meant that I can continue to train so my catastrophizing and thinking that I'm going to have loads of extra time I definitely don't I trained yesterday morning and had a wonderful time completely panic free and I even managed to do a 70 kilo overhead squat which blew my mind a bit it felt really easy and people were shocked in the gym I saw that I it also it also, it also blew my mind I was like oh my god I can't I can't do that and I'm not even pregnant <laughs> honestly that was me kind of going we we built we built um from three reps down to one we did several several sets and I started really light for me um as I've said from the very start I am not going to push the boundaries of PBs in any circumstances being pregnant that is just ludicrous in my opinion but I started light I got heavier it felt so comfortable and dare I say it easy we got to the final rep 70 kilos is not my max overhead squat loaded it thought but you know 65 felt pretty comfortable did 70 and thought well that was that was fine that was easy <laughs> so that was really nice to feel reassured and I think it definitely helped my mindset yesterday and thinking I shouldn't do x I shouldn't do y because at the moment this leads me on really nicely last time we spoke Charlotte I just started considering things that I would remove from my CrossFit training journey whilst being pregnant and having spoken to Emma Paverly and Mel last week uh, it certainly made me think more specifically about certain exercises or movements that I would remove fairly quickly after that so the the absolute no-nos currently with my training are I'm not doing any toes to bar which I don't think I was doing when I saw you last or at least it was a plan of mine to kind of reduce that or stop that I'm not doing any kind of crunching sit-up whether my hips are on the floor or in a GHD or whatever I'm not doing that at all basically no crunching movements so I'm not lifting my knees into my chest lying on the floor hanging from a bar anything that stretches my abs then crunches my abs I have been avoiding basically any movement that I feel is going to create a dome in my abdomen I have been avoiding completely otherwise currently at 17 weeks I'm still kipping which allows me to for those of you who aren't familiar with the kipping movement on a rig it allows me to cycle through pull-ups much quicker it's also part of the movement in a toes to bar where you essentially extend out into an arch position and then lift your feet push back and lift your feet to the bar that's something I'm not doing but I'm still kipping through pull-ups because it feels fine it doesn't feel stretched if something has felt weird I have stopped I'll give you another example couple of weeks ago I did an, I did a workout which was a kettlebell snatch so essentially 
the movement requires you to lift the kettlebell with one arm from the floor to full extension overhead with the arm straight, just one arm. And I did it at a weight which usually would feel pretty comfortable to me. And I did one rep and immediately thought, I need to drop that weight, not because I wasn't capable of lifting it, but because my core felt stretched in a way that I've never experienced before. So I truly am listening to my body but also going with guidelines in terms of my core. So we didn't touch on this last time, but I think it's really important from a midwife perspective. Talking about pelvic floor, and I know we touched on it previously, the importance of maintaining or starting to exercise or essentially connect to your pelvic floor muscles in pregnancy to prevent problems of incontinence or you know any ongoing problems with your core post-pregnancy as a midwife at any point are you instructed to give that advice if so what is the advice that you are advising if not why not (laughs) (laughs) so the main advice we would give or be given um is during the booking appointment i'm not sure if your midwife mentioned it to you or not there's probably a not. page <laughs> probably not <laughs> there's a page at the back of the notes that discusses um driving and driving position when you are okay to drive up to things like physical exercise smoking drinking obviously big no-nos and then pelvic floor exercises and it was sort of in my experience more of a yep do you know what pelvic floor exercises are the woman would reply yep know what they are okay good make sure you're doing them um some people (laughs) would go into a little bit more detail than that yep like hold hold for 10 seconds relax and that would be pretty much it and i as part of my gynecology placement I went to a urogyne clinic which was really really interesting and I was talking to them about it and how you actually work your pelvic floor and previously historically people would say oh to work your pelvic floor go for a wee and then stop and hold your wee and then let go again but that is now not advised because it can increase the chances of UTIs um, and infections so now it's imagine that you're doing that yeah but also it's not just the front it's the back passage as well as if you're trying to hold in flatulence mm-hmm. and you hold and you squeeze you hold it for 10 seconds and you relax but also other than that you need to be doing very quick movements so like squeeze for a second let go squeeze for a second let go and those different movements work the different muscles and the different fibers in the pelvic floor and by doing it during pregnancy your pelvic floor does get damaged. I know a lot of people say about um, caesareans and being too too, too posh to push and um, having perfect pelvic floors, but actually it's the weight of the baby that causes the damage to the pelvic floor initially. Mm, mm. Yes, birth itself does cause more damage to the pelvic floor, but the weight of the baby on the pelvic floor is what causes the damage. And if you keep it strong during pregnancy it's easier to strengthen it again after pregnancy Mm. if that makes sense yeah completely so So, yeah I just have to admit firstly when you were talking about the exercises (laughs) were you doing them yeah (laughs) and I wonder if anyone else is joining in I was as well yeah (laughs) it's a good time when we're talking about it it. I felt I felt like you were leading a class almost it's great (laughs) um and secondly it will not surprise you 
I doubt that in my booking appointment, none of that was mentioned to me. I, uh, not even the, do you know what pelvic floor exercises? Maybe, just maybe, there was, was an assumption made that I would already know being a coach, but I'm going to go with probably not. Uh, but there was definitely I, no mention of that. I feel like even just being a woman, people automatically assume that you know what pelvic floor exercises are. Right. I don't know why there's that assumption, but I feel like there is that assumption. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think, if I'm completely honest, knowing my education around women's health was so minimal to to nothing, essentially, being 34-year-old women who, at school, I think we did one sex educational thing, and it was more just giggle your way through it than actually learn anything pelvic floor exercises for the majority of the population why would they know what that is why does a woman who is ill-informed about exercise and looking after their let alone external aesthetic but their internal health too why would they know what that is so that assumption is it's kind of like anyone in any profession it's like taking your car to a mechanic and then saying oh you know that the I I'm useless with cars, so this uh, isn't a great a great. I was example. trying to think of an example, but I was like, <laughs> but you know, I don't just... even know. The, the chassis is damaged, right, right? And then them assuming that you know exactly what that is, yeah, that would be idiotic or you know unprofessional, and it's and that's essentially what midwives or people are assuming that the the, the women in of the world know exactly what pelvic floor um exercises but that's not true at all and i was unaware until naturally i started to do much more research around pregnancy and appropriate behavior in pregnancy that they were called kegel exercises i assume that is from the i hate the word inventor because um, they didn't invent the <laughs> pelvic floor but you know essentially the um <laughs> the applic- <laughs> the person who applied <laughs> this the first time but i don't know uh, do you know if that, that's why it's called a Google exercise. do not know. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to have to Google that. But anyway. I wonder if it's a Latin sort of derivative of the pelvic floor, maybe. Let me look. Because uh... pelvic floor exercises, I think, are technically called Kegel, Kegel exercises. Here we go. Are you ready? Oh. I was right. Yeah. Kegels are named after the American gynecologist Arnold Henry Kegel. And he was a man. Yep. And he was the first person to define pelvic floor exercises. Do men have pelvic floors? Brilliant. Yes, they they do. do. Right. They don't have as many issues as we do. No, of course not, because they don't have to birth a child. But anyway. (laughs) Anyway, well, that was, um, I was really interested to know, as always, the NHS's sort of guidelines to that. And I'm sure if you Google it, certainly search on the NHS website, there's probably decent amount of information on there. But actually the instruction for me was none. And women out there, you know, whether you are getting wonderful midwifery care or perhaps not such good midwifery care, please go and have a Google. There is so much information on the internet, on YouTube. You can't really get this wrong. There is only really one way of doing it. And... (laughs) Just like Charlotte mentioned, if you can stop your pee or imagine that you're stopping your pee or trying to hold in the embarrassment of farting, then (laughs) you know how to control your pelvic floor. You just got to practice it, basically. So something I just wanted to really quickly touch on, because since our last episode, we talked about an article that I found about an American coach 
who was tragically and horrifically trolled about training throughout her pregnancy. Since then, I've essentially stalked this woman and she is my, has blown my mind, essentially. So her name is Yanya. And on Instagram, if you want to go check her out, I definitely would. I actually shared a reel of hers today. Her name is Yanya Got Made. She is a powerlifter, or at least that's what I get from her posts, uh, and a coach. And she has recently just had her second child. So the article that I found was in relation to her first pregnancy. One, the thing that I love about looking through Yanya's content is that she wasn't scared to go through the same process and share how she trained throughout her second pregnancy, which I think is so admirable considering the amount of hate and trolling that she got from her first. But secondly, the main reason that I am partially in love with her is her capabilities while she is pregnant. This is what I have shared on my Instagram today. Highly, I think she's pinned it to the top of her page. So please go and check it out. Yanya squatted 140 kilos for reps at nine months pregnant. That's incredible. Honestly, Um, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I think the main reason I wanted to bring this up in the context of training and listening to your body. Again, there is this, and you all agree with this, Charlotte. There is this, I suppose, script that you are you are told to share with with your patients as a midwife don't lift anything too heavy um certainly you know if you're weight training be sensible with the weights that you're lifting now for any woman or any man on this planet whether you train you're a powerlifter or you're not 140 kilo squat i'm telling you and you should realize is is a lot that's a heavy squat right (laughs) for, for most women that is double at least you know maybe double their body weight and for most women, that is completely out of reach. That is like mind-blowing strength. Yeah, that's, Let- that, if I did that, that would be almost triple my body weight. Right, exactly. So for most, for I would say the majority of women, that is unachievable. Certainly for reps. I mean, to give you context <laughs> from why it blew my mind, 142.5 kilos is my one rep max. I've done it once. It blew my mind. I was so <laughs> chuffed with it. It is double or it was double my body weight at the time and is deemed to be strong for a woman to be able to lift double your body weight. Now, I have no idea what Yanya weighs, but not only to be able to lift that when you're not pregnant, but to be able to do it for reps when you are is just phenomenal. And it brings me back to the point of doing what's right for you. Now, I'm sure in the context of my first midwife, that would be ludicrous that a woman at nine months pregnant was lifting 140 kilos. In the context of Yanya, from what I have seen and read, that weight is comfortable for her. Yes, she was still pushing herself beyond, you know, she was still working hard and you can see that in the video. But she wasn't dying doing it. She wasn't like completely out of her comfort zone. So it really kind of brought me back to the the guidelines, I guess, about what you're told to say as a midwife and what we've spoken about before and actually how wrong it can be in relation to that individual. So, and I think, I actually seem to remember, Charlotte, you saying to me at one point, you know, uh, when we were first talking about adaptations to training and lifting weights, something that you said was, you know, be careful on your weights, but actually put into context about the individual, 140 kilos for me is 
my one rep max and I wouldn't lift that being pregnant. But 70 kilos over my head felt incredibly comfortable. And for a lot of people, that would be, again, completely out of reach. (laughs) So what I want to remind everyone of today is regardless of the... Again, I'm not a doctor. So, of course, if you have concerns, then don't listen to me. Listen to your healthcare uh, provider. But my attitude towards this is, is continuing to change and continuing to really genuinely listen to my body and yes take on advice yes listen to it yes read as much as I can and and be as informed as I can but actually if something feels okay then why are you stopping doing it regardless of what that means and I think and I and I know you being someone who is an advocate for this too like you mentioned that you would you would still continue to ski when you're pregnant do you think that that is a, a kind of a fair thing to say going forward? And do you think that if you were a midwife these days and now going through what we are talking about and learning, I suppose, from your perspective in in the term of weightlifting is not kind of your sport. Do you think you would approach things differently if you were a midwife now? Yeah, I think I I think I would mainly for like you said like you doing an overhead squat of 70 kilos that blows my mind however like you said it's comfortable and I think that is always going to be it always has been it always will be my sort of advice is it's very subjective to the person if Mm. something feels comfortable for you and you're not putting yourself at risk you've assessed the risks yourself and you Mm. are comfortable to do that then do that it's it's your body it's your choice Mm -hmm. and we can advise you on what we've been told which is be aware of your body and if something like you said feels off you were doing an exercise and you went oh that feels strange I've not felt that before I'm not Mm going to do those again Mm -hmm. and listening to that and I think that's where a lot of people maybe go wrong because someone says oh be careful on your weights so they take that assumption of I can't weight lift or I've got to drop really low actually maybe explaining it more to be like it's it is your body if you feel it's comfortable and you've assessed that risk and you're comfortable with that then do that yeah good I'm really pleased (laughs) 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 no and you know what it's been such a short space of time since we started recording this in you know in in real terms and you know when when we first started I think I was six weeks was I six weeks or eight weeks pregnant? God, I can't remember. Yeah, I think... Now I'm 17 weeks. I think my attitude is changing weekly, not just from what I'm reading, and but from what I'm experiencing. And I think that solidifies everything that everyone has said. Both Emma and Mel, my two interviewees so far, have both concluded at the end of their podcasts, listen to your body, being the advice they would give any pregnant woman who wants to continue or train throughout their pregnancy. And that's something that I think nobody can take any, I, I don't think anybody can take that away from, from you as a, as a mum to be. Yes, you may be sharing this journey with your partner. And of course, if they're a part of your life, then they may have an opinion on your choices. However, you are the, you are the birthing mother. You are the carrier of that baby. And if you feel that something is benefiting you and it's not 
having any adverse effect on you or your baby or the or the journey of pregnancy then you should absolutely do it if it feels right and it feels good for you and I'm a huge advocate for that and hey who knows I might try an 80 kilo overhead squat next week we'll see anyway something that I wanted to really touch on very quickly because it's something that I've just started and I wanted to know an NHS so put put your own personal thoughts to one side Charlotte because this is something that I want to ask in terms of NHS I have just started a hypnobirthing course online I was recommended it by a friend who has recently had her first baby and quite honestly I had until I was pregnant never heard of the term hypnobirthing and when I first heard it which I'm sure most people would assume that it's some kind of hypnotherapy nonsense to be quite (laughs) when then I researched it I learned that it was nothing to do with hypnotherapy at all the term hypno is in relation to the mind I believe that is without me reading anything in front of me so I please Please yeah, I would. I would say so as well. Especially like hypnotherapy is the mind. So right, yeah, exactly. It is all. It is all mind anyway. Cool. So we'll go with that. And what I've learned about it is, is actually a practice to be able to teach you to be more in tune with the process of labour and essentially not fearing labour and giving you the strength and knowledge to be able to understand what your body's going to go through, how you can cope with it psychologically and therefore override those feelings of fear and pain and kind of changing our perception. And the thing that I've, like I say, this is something that is really new to me. I've just started the course. I'm finding it incredibly insightful and very interesting. And it led me to one question the NHS's thoughts or beliefs or direction on hypnobirthing? Is it something that they invite or encourage? And secondly, how much the hypnobirthing process and what it's teaching you relates to what I have always done as an athlete? So we'll come on to that secondly. But firstly, Charlotte, hypnobirthing as a midwife not a Charlotte, as an NHS midwife, <laughs> is it something that you are taught about? Is it something you're directed on at all? We are made aware of it. We're made of all different sorts of alternative therapies. We'll call them therapies, treatments mm-hmm. for labour. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are made aware of what they are. And that's sort of as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn more about hypnobirthing, you need to go and do courses yourself as a midwife. Mm-hmm to learn how to teach them um to women or okay. teach them teach yourself and also teach the two women so it's not deemed to be positive or negative it is just no, some it's no one okay. of those it's an option basically well that's nice to know and um i guess i think i was coming from it from a skeptical angle <laughs> from the view of my initial experience with my midwife that it might be of kind of that alternative therapy like you just mentioned now when somebody mentions alternative therapies to me quite often I put my arms up and cross my arms and say no thanks not interested in alternative (laughs) therapy it all seems a little bit far-fetched from my experiences in relation to um, you know treatments in whatever aspect however I'm looking at this in a different way. I am very open-minded and I'm someone that will try something until I deem it to not be suitable for me. 
in your personal opinion, Charlotte, did you then go away and learn about it? Do you know much about it? I know a little bit about it. Um, it's not something that I have learned a huge amount about. It was something that I had sort of planned to look into. There's a couple mm. of courses which I'd looked at and I think I would like to learn more about it, mm -hmm. especially having been through what I've been through with anxiety yeah. and a yeah. lot of a lot of the way that I've learned to calm myself is right. essentially the hypnobirthing state and coming yeah. into your mind and just mm -hmm. sort of like blocking out what's around you and becoming present. Um, and I think having learned all of that to help my anxiety, I would now, if I were to go back into the NHS and work as a midwife in labour or antenatal or whatever, um, that's definitely something that I would like to look into mm. more. Yeah, it's it is really interesting and you're absolutely right. It relates heavily to what people might refer to as meditation, mindfulness, um being able to take themselves out of the the present painful situation and and make themselves feel better about where they're at and um anyway, like I say it's a very early stages for me in this course. Um I'm about 6 videos in. I think that it's totaling around 50, so it's still very early stages. <laughs> As things progress, I will, I'll probably share my views and my thoughts on the process. Like I say, I'm not saying it's the only way, but I am saying I'm open to it and I'm interested by it. And the thing that really hooked me to continue to learn was understanding the link between this and training that's that's my main point of this is as someone who is a competitive athlete loves exercise and regularly put challenges themselves outside their comfort zone in a manner of many many ways whether that be specifically relating to crossfit bodybuilding sports etc when you have that mindset of wanting to be better wanting to be the best maybe ultimately competitive internally externally whichever way you are we have this ability to push ourselves through outside of our comfort zone which lots of people might not understand might not want to do which is totally fair enough but that only comes from one place and that comes from your mind and and when people say your mind is far stronger than any physical strength I completely agree with that. And, you know, we read extremes of that in, in, the, in the media when we hear of a dad who's picked up a car off their child, you know, you know, the extremes stories, whether they're true or not. I don't know, mate, but there is a part of me that truly believes that that is possible because our mind can physically override us to do anything. So when we are feeling pain, tiredness, like we can't go on in terms of physical activity, the athlete mindset, as I would call it, kicks in telling you, you can do this, you will do this, you want to do this. And essentially, that is what hypnobirthing is, is leading towards, is creating this will, this positive mindset around labour, taking away the fear of the pain and encouraging you to feel almost excited about the process and changing it from you will be in pain this might be really scary to you are going to have a baby at the end of this and the process is what's going to get you there so you deal with that you get through it 
So I'm all in for this and I'm really excited about what it might teach me because I feel like I already have that mindset in so many ways. And something that people question me a lot on, and I'm sure Charlotte, being someone who is also into fitness, if you ever speak to someone that isn't into fitness or physical activity, and they quite often say, I don't know how you do it. I hate going to the gym. I hate running. I hate exercise. And I think the thing that separates us most is mindset. It isn't necessarily always easy. Of course it's not. And we know that being into fitness. But it is about being okay with being uncomfortable. And some people aren't. So it's already changed my perspective on labour. And I'm seeing it as a competition for myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, look. (laughs) I'm going to get a baby at the end of this. So um, I'm, you know, that I think that should be seen as something that is exciting. And if you are somebody who physically puts themselves in uncomfortable or out comfortable situations or out of their comfort zone regularly, I think it's a really nice way of looking at it. And it's really helped me to approach this amazing physical thing that I will be going through in a different way. I'm seeing it as something that is exciting that I've never done before it's going to be a huge challenge probably the biggest challenge that I will ever encounter in my life but there's plenty of things that I've overcome previously so I can absolutely do this um and I'm excited by it so for you for those of you that don't know what hypnobirthing is you are planning to have a baby you've had a baby you are pregnant go check it out if you're into training I think you, you like me, might find it really useful. And I just wanted to touch on that. And like I say, when I know more, I'll share it. Anyway, so I'm pretty, you know, being 17 weeks, there's not much going on. Like I say, I'm feeling good now. I'm not feeling nauseous anymore. My energy is back. I'm really enjoying training. I am over that self-competitiveness of being the best in the class. I'm still doing really well in my CrossFit classes. I'm still achieving highly, but if I'm not winning anymore, I don't care. And that's been an amazing, really humbling part of this process to feel that this is the right time for me to be pregnant. And I'm so excited by it. But something that I have just started, which I'm really excited about, I'm going to quickly get Charlotte's opinion on. I have just started a nutrition in pregnancy course. And we've been talking heavily about training and that is naturally the purpose of this podcast to talk about and reassure um, how we can continue hopefully to train throughout our pregnancies. But something that closely relates to what I do is nutrition application and I'm fascinated by nutrition from any aspect, whether it's within performance, whether it's weight loss, whether it's health improvement. And it has fascinated me since the moment I was pregnant in how or why I should adapt my nutrition according to my body's and my baby's needs. So this perfectly uh, invites me to ask you, Charlotte, as a midwife, were you instructed on any advice to give about nutrition in pregnancy? Not really. Um, The main advice generally was limit your caffeine intake Mm -hmm. and eat healthily cool what eat healthily means to right myself to you to absolutely my fiance is all very different so yeah 
the vagueness <laughs> continues. It does. Um, but I mean, again, it doesn't surprise me. And I can't, I can't sort of say this enough about the NHS. I love the NHS. I think what they offer is phenomenal. But they are a generalised service. They are not necessarily um, going to be offering you tons of time because they just don't have it. So they can't kind of cover every single topic in great detail, which I completely appreciate. But I'm interested in nutrition (laughs) and I'm sure that many of you will be too. So I took it upon myself to start this, I'm going to be honest, quite scientific and pretty medical and pretty mind-blowing complicated course but I'm fascinated by it and I'm learning so much and I'm going to talk more about that next week with another special guest who I'm so so excited to have on board she is the wonderful um, Natalie Rouse I'm telling you this now because I want you to listen she is not only a friend of mine who is a competitive bodybuilder but she is a nutritional researcher scientist she is so clever And the conversations that we've had in the past have blown my mind and I could listen to her talk about nutrition and her job forever. So I know, having had a conversation with Natalie about what I'm doing on this podcast, she agrees with constant changes in perspective. It will be great to learn what what was around when she was pregnant. She now has a teenage daughter. So we're talking, you know, uh, I'm not exactly sure how old she is, but she's definitely over the age of 12. So. 12 plus years ago what was around when she was pregnant what she's learned and what the current and new views are around nutrition in pregnancy I'm gonna I'm so excited to talk to her hopefully by then I will have also finished or at least got closer to finishing my crazy mind-blowing hard course um (laughs) but I think it would be we're gonna just take a bit of a change in perspective and talk more about nutrition and not training next week so I hope you guys can join me and that's it so as always Charlotte thank you so much for joining me and for teaching me loads and for always being there and reassuring me on this this journey that um has clearly freaked me out on several occasions so thank you (laughs) more than happy to be here oh good well guys of course as always if you have any comments anything that you would like to share about you your journey with training throughout pregnancy perhaps it's crossfit related perhaps it's not we don't care here i would love 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 to hear from you whether you want to contact me directly you can email me at info at mishapt.com or you can get in touch on socials the links are in the notes of the episode search for crossfit versus pregnancy on instagram or wherever you listen to your podcast please as well something i haven't said if you can like rate and subscribe to these wherever you listen to your podcast it helps other people find the podcast so it would be hugely appreciated if you could do that Thanks for listening. I will be back soon with Natalie to talk all things nutrition and pregnancy. Take it easy, guys. Bye.